Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I'm the strongest when I'm weak because when I'm weak, God's strength is made perfect in me. Right? When I'm weak. Flip that over. What about when I'm strong? What about when it's all me? What about when I'm proud and I got this all together? Was probably when there's the least amount of Christ working through me. Says so when I'm weak, that's when I'm really strong. Less of me and more of him. That should be the goal for everybody here. God, that I would decrease and that Christ would increase in my life. And so, you know, as we look at this weakness that Paul had in the things of God, right? Our weakness can become our point of greatest strength. Are you overwhelmed by your downfalls or do you feel like you just don't measure up? Well, in today's message, Pastor Bill shares how God can be your strength during times of weakness. He'll encourage you to pray and wait on the Lord like Paul did in the scripture. He may not take it all away, but he will work through it in his timing. Thankfully, our timing is not the same as God's timing. He sees the bigger picture. He knows what's best in the long run. Will you trust him today? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. He's in jail for something he didn't do. He got rape charges in prison, you know, for something he didn't do when he's there and, and, you know, helping other people out. Hey, remember me, guys, when you go back and they forget about him. I mean, I look at all this happens in his life. Did bad things. Eventually he gets brought out and, you know, he interprets the visions and he gets exalted to the second in, in command and his parent brothers come down and, and now he's in a position, I could, I could offer all your heads. I can get everybody back. You know what he said? One of my favorite verses in Genesis, Genesis 50, 20. 5020. He says, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive today. And I have, he had the maturity to see that all that pain was for this. God was raising me up to be in this position, not to damage you, not to get back at those that did me wrong, but to save the very ones that did this to me and everybody else. There was, there was purpose in his pain. There's so many other stories. I love Esther. Esther was raised, no dad, no mom. She was raised by Mordecai. She was beautiful, no fault of her own. And all these things that had befallen her as a young child, she had to grow up in a difficult situa- situation in her time. But God made her beautiful at a, at a critical time in, in God's economy of things. You know, he brought her into favor with the king and she saved the entire Jewish nation by being willing to step up, you know. Mordecai had encouraged her. He says, hey, if you don't go, God will do it to somebody else. But how do you know that you're not here for such a time as this? How do you know that everything bad that ever happened wasn't to bring you right here? You know what she said? She said, if I perish, I perish. That is a woman saying, look, I'm, I'm willing to die to save some people. I'm going to go. And she went on in and the Lord preserved her life. And she said the Lord through her saved everybody. There was purpose in her pain. There is purpose in your pain as a believer. Um, but if I could tell you with those two stories, the only way they got to where they saw what the purpose was in their pain was to keep going, right? Joseph, we don't have in the story of Genesis where Joseph says, you know what? Forget this. You know, God, God, you left me hanging. I don't believe in you no more. You know, I'm, my faith is shaking to the core. I'm, I'm falling out of the race. You don't see that ever happening. He just had to keep going. And that was for years that he went through that. But it eventually turned out for good. Esther could have been bitter. God, why did you do this to me? Why did you take away my mom and my dad? I don't know, everybody says mother and father. I got Mordecai, you know, but no, she continued and she obeyed and the Lord used her life. And if you'll continue and obey, 
God will use your life. God will use your pain. God will make sense of it eventually. But you can't quit. You have to persevere. Amen. And so Paul says, you know, I, I, I boast in my infirmities. And then verse seven, he says, least I should be exalted above measure. That was the purpose. God gave this to me to keep me humble so that I wouldn't be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations that I've had. And Paul had many. This is, this, this is not the only you know, divine revelation that Paul has had. He said from the abundance of revelations that he's had. God said, you know, you need to be kept to a certain place. I don't want you to become. I don't want you to think it's you. I want you to continue to be able to be a vessel. And we should know that, right? If you're going to be a vessel for God, then you make sure you don't put your hands on his glory. The Bible says God says he will not share his glory with any man. Nobody. And so if you want to be mightily used of God, be careful to always give him the glory. Make sure the credit goes to whom it belongs for what he's doing. It says this, verse 7, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. And he explains what the thorn in the flesh was. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, once again, Paul says, I was given a thorn in the flesh. What is it, Paul? What was your thorn in the flesh? He said it was a messenger of Satan to buffet, to beat me. Now, there are volumes written on what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. It doesn't say. Some say it was he had malaria. He had eye problems. He had this other situation. He was, you know, he struggled with this. We don't know. Be content to not. When the Bible is silent, we should be silent. Right. That's just this wisdom. So we I'm, I'm don't we don't know. He had a thorn in the flesh. We know it was spiritual. We know that there was a messenger of Satan. What, what is a messenger of Satan? A demon. God's angels are called messengers. Satan is an angel, a fallen angel. It was demonic. God was allowing a certain amount of attack upon Paul's life. This is a messenger of Satan to buffet me. That word buffet is to beat. It's abusive. And so you think, why would God allow that? Why would God allow that in his life? God explained why. He said it would keep you humble. It would keep you from being exalted above measure. Now, I don't know, Paul, but maybe maybe God is God knows every person. Maybe God said, you know, without this thing happening, you might get blown up and puffed up and, and, and mess up. But this is going to keep you dependent. Um, now, I, I've seen this many times in Scripture that the same scenario where and once from this side of the coin, God is saying, hey, I'm, I'm testing you to prove you the same scenario over here. Satan is saying, I'm tempting you to destroy you the same situation. You know, many times a test from the Lord is a, a temptation from the enemy. They're both happening together. Um, that happens with Job. You know, God says, all right, I'm, I'm going to let you do that much. You can touch his stuff, but don't touch him. You can touch him, but don't take his life. And then Satan's on the other end saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use all these things to make him curse you to your face. Satan wants to use it to destroy you. God was using it. God said, no, Job is upright, blameless, fears God, shuns evil. There's none like him in all the land. He's going to be all right. And God's using it to prove him. Satan's using the same scenario to destroy him. And so sometimes in our life, there'll be things that's like, man, anything that's happening that's demonic or activity from the enemy, understand that in the life of the believer, it has to come by God. It, it, God, Satan doesn't just have free reign over your life. Satan can't just come. I'm going to bop Bill upside the head today, just on, just on GP. You know, he has to get permission. I am, I am covered. When, when Satan told, when God, when God brought Job up to Satan, God said, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in all the land, an upright, blameless, he's feared God and he shuns evil. God's bragging on Job. And Satan said, as a matter of fact, I have. There's a hedge about him and all that he has on every side. How Satan know that? Because he had looked already, couldn't get through. And so Satan said, I have checked him out, I couldn't get through. 
right? I need permission and he needs permission in your life. And so even when there is attack in our life, I can rest assured that God's only letting so much through at a time. And God's never letting it be to where I'm going to be overwhelmed. God's never setting me up to fail. First Corinthians 10, 13 says that no temptation has overtaken us except that which is common. Then it says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God says, I control what can come through, how heavy it can be. And I don't, I won't let it be. So I might look at your trial and be like, I couldn't handle that. And God might be saying, that's right. That's why it didn't happen to you. It happened to him. He can handle it. Uh, he, he's going to make it. You, you, would, you, you, would crumb, you crumble under that, you know, God. But if, if it's happening to me, then I can know that, all right, God, this is happening. Then I'm able with your help to, to overcome, to withstand. You're not allowing it to happen beyond what I'm able. I'm never in a must fail situation as a child of God. So again, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Least I should be exalted above measure. Verse eight. Paul says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I shouldn't have to, but I'm going to. Um, Paul says, concerning this thing, I pleaded. So I begged God three times. It's what we all do when difficult things happen. We, we take it to the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do. When difficulty comes, when trials come, we, we take it to the Lord in prayer. Paul said, I pleaded with God three times. Now, again, those word faith folk out there would say, you just got to claim it one time. Don't, you don't go back second. That's not trusting. If you, if you, you believe it the first time, you, you, add, you pray that prayer one time and you believe it, that's it. You walk away. It is yours. You claim it. It's, Paul said three times. We pointed out when Jesus prayed in the garden. How many times did Jesus pray? Three times. So when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So if you've been praying the same prayer for a long time, I mean, just you're in good company. We want to pray until we hear an answer back. It's okay. It's not a lack of faith. I'm saying, God, I haven't heard back yet. So I'm still asking. I still don't know what your will is here, Lord. Would you make it clear? I'm going to keep asking until I hear something. Now, here's the deal. What if I hear what I don't want to hear? Because that's what Paul hears. Paul's like, now, if I, if I hear no, do I want to continue to, God's like, I, I told you no. I would have made it clear what my will is at this point. So. Paul said, I, I, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me, that this thing might depart. In verse nine, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's answer to Paul was I'm not taking it away. He said, this is, this is the deal, Paul, my grace, my unmerited favor, my favor upon you that you don't deserve, my goodness, my grace, that's enough for you. It's sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And then God tells him, look, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so your weakness creates a dynamic where my strength can be perfect. We all want to be strong in ourselves and by ourselves. But God said there's a unique thing that happens when you're weak. I'm strong. And this thing that's causing you to be weak and it's causing there to be a brokenness in your life. I know you don't want it. I know you wish it would go away. But in that position, right, my strength is being made perfect. That word perfect means complete or mature. And God is saying, look, my strength is being made mature and completing you through your weakness. And I know you wish I would take it away, but I'm, I'm doing something greater through it than taking it away would do. And so I'm going to leave it. And that's the answer that I'm leaving you with. Now, we don't hear him pray again after this. Paul accepts that. And I would encourage you that if you're praying for something, you pray until you hear 
And sometimes, well, God will answer an affirmative. Yes, I'm going to do it. Now I got to trust him for his timing when he's going to do it. Other times, God will give you a word and it's like, this is what I'm doing. I've shared with you guys my testimony many times. My son, was son with autism, when he was younger, I believe in healing. I believe that God still heals supernaturally. And so I would put him to bed. I pray with my kids at night. And I would every night for a while, I'd pray. And Lord, I'd pray and I'd pray in tongues. I pray, Lord, heal him, deliver him. And I was, I had faith that I believed God could. I was, days I would pray and I would, I'm praying, I'm praying, wake in the morning and see what's going to, what's, what's going to happen in the morning, if anything's going to change. And I, I one night prayed. It was a challenging night. There were things going on. I was I was broken over this. Me and my wife both were. The next day I was reading, um, was going through John's gospel and I was in John 9. And it was uh, another it was one of those times where God was like, I'm going to speak to you directly from the book. And I'm in John 9. I just had that night prayed, Lord, please. And I prayed. I said, Lord, there's something that we've done wrong. Show me. If I've sinned, if there's something that I need to repent, if this is a punishment of some sort, if this is, I laid it all out, just broken before the Lord. Next day I get up John 9. And I'm reading. And in John 9, it says that there was a man that had been born blind. And they were arguing who sinned that he was born blind. And I read that. And I'm like, that was just, that's, that was what I, I'm asking something just similar to that. And I keep reading down. And Jesus said, no one sinned that he was born this way, but that the works of God would be revealed in him. And for me, that was that day. That was the Lord said, this is my answer. This, I'm going to work through this. I'm doing a work through him being the way he is. So I didn't, I don't ask anymore. I say, God, then, then that's what you're doing. And I, but, but I could, I could quantify that. Now I could, I could write down in a book people who we've encountered because of my son, people that are saved right now because of him, people that have been brought into our home, brought into our lives, brought into this church, brought back to the Lord, so forth and so on through him, even when he couldn't even talk yet. And so God, look, I'm doing something through that. I know our household is different because of it in a good way. And so God said, look, I, I, I know you wanted me to take it away, but I'm doing something better through it than taking it away. Accept that. And so God will answer back. And when he answers back, we need to accept what he says, that God knows best. Amen. Paul doesn't argue with God after this. God said, look, my grace is sufficient. Paul, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul accepted that as he should, as we should. Then it says, therefore, Paul speaking most gladly. I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so Paul says, I accept it. Once this second time, he says, I'd rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If the if the condition for Christ's power to rest upon me is weakness, is this thorn in the flesh? Then I accept it. I'll boast in it. I'm not, but Paul's not boasting in his visions. If Paul wanted to brag, if anybody could brag, Paul could say, look, man, God speaks to me on a regular. I wrote that book. I started that church. I led them to the Lord. I made disciples over there. I, Paul could have went down the list of all that he's done. Paul says, you know what I'm boast about? I'm a boast in my brokenness. I'm a broken. I have a weakness that God has allowed. I'll boast about that because through that weakness, God's strength is being made perfect in me. And that doesn't make me look awesome, but it shows Christ's power. And Paul is more concerned with glorifying God than himself. And we should be careful. He is, this is such a great example. And it, it flies in the face. In Paul's day, this flew in the face of the false teachers who had to be looking so tight and right. And it flies in the face of many of the frauds that we have out and about today that, that put on. You know, outwardly it looks wonderful, but inwardly it's, it's jacked up. Paul says, look, I'll, I'll boast in my infirmity. Because this is it's through this infirmity that Christ's power rests upon my life. And I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for anything. Now, it says this last verse, uh, verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure 
in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, I'm sorry, distresses for Christ's sake. That's key phrase. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul says, look, now he first said I boasted my infirmities twice. He said it in verse five. He said it again in verse nine. But in verse 10, he says, I take pleasure in my infirmities. Now, I don't think Paul meant like, you know, I jump up and down, you know, when I get beat, hey, you know, I'm, 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 but he says, I, I take pleasure in them, right? Paul's able to look at what's happening to him and say like, I, re I recognize God's in charge. You know, several weeks back, uh, Pastor Clint was taking us through a section in Acts where the believers were beat for preaching the gospel. And it says after the beating, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for his namesake. They got beat with rods, which meant they would have had scars on their back. And they left like, yes, you, you see that? You know, yeah, you know, like, like I got beat with Jesus. Like it was a, I mean, it was a proud thing. You know, like, like somebody might get a tattoo today. They were like, take off. They probably went shirtless sometimes. You know, I'm going to church with my shirt off. You know what I'm saying? Real disciples around here, you know, like, <laughs> but they were like, we were, it was, we were proud. Like we, we were counted worthy. Like we were counted worthy to suffer for his namesake. What I ain't never been beat. You know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, that's amazing. They, they, they could rejoice in the beating because it's through this. It was for Christ's sake. And here Paul says, look, I take pleasure in my distresses. Not, not while they're happening. I'm sure if he's getting beat, it hurts. And I'm sure if he's going through a hard time, it's a hard time like everybody else. But Paul says, spiritually speaking, I'm able to take pleasure. I can take pleasure. I, I know that because I know that through this, God's doing something greater. So I take pleasure in infirmities. And reproaches and needs. And these are all the different things that would happen. There would be times where he was in need, time where he was under persecution, time where he was in distress. He says, but it was all these things were for Christ's sake. And that's what the key phrase. These things where Paul wasn't in need because he spent up all his money on some dumb stuff. You know, Paul wasn't distressed because he was out there sowing bad seeds and now it's coming back to roots. You know, Paul says, look, I was all these things were for Christ's sake. This should tell everybody here something. We need to be living for Christ or you won't ever have persecution for Christ's sake if you're not living for the Lord. You'll never endure needs or distresses for Christ's sake if you're not out there serving the Lord or you're not putting yourself out there for Christ's purpose. The only reason he could have distresses, needs, persecution for Christ's sake is because his life was surrendered over to Christ. And so some of us, you know, that that may be a prodding from the Lord to say, hey, what what are you doing for the Lord? What's God moving you to do for his glory in your life? Not that we want persecution, but it's part of the program. Um, if I play for a team, I expect the other team to not like me when I wear my uniform. I'm on that team. You know, when I, when I, when I, when I, when I put my gear on, like, you know, and there's not an outfit you put on to serve God, but it's, 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 a, it's a matter of the heart. When you set your heart to be a man or a woman that's going to serve the Lord, you know, in the spiritual realm, the enemy sees and there's going to be opposition. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that there's opposition. That means I'm doing something. It's a good thing that I'm being opposed. That means that the enemy's trying to stop me. Now, if I don't do anything for the Lord and, and I, you know, I get into some trouble over here and I get some bad phone call, I'm just going through it. This is a trial in my life. This is my thorn in the flesh. No, no, it's not. Right. The, the key phrase here was for Christ's sake. And so nothing can happen for Christ's sake if you're not living for Christ. So I, that's my brief exhortation to everybody here. Make sure you're living for Christ. 
And then as you're living for Christ, should there be distresses, difficulties, persecutions for Christ's sake, you can rejoice in them, knowing that God is doing something greater through them. And the last verse, uh, last phrase of that verse, TM, Paul says, for when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. I'm the strongest when I'm weak, because when I'm weak, God's strength is made perfect in me. Right. When I'm weak, flip that over. What about when I'm strong? What about when it's all me? What about when I'm proud and I got this all together? Was probably when there's the least amount of Christ working through me. It says, when I'm weak, that's when I'm really strong. Less of me and more of him. That should be the goal for everybody here. God, that I would decrease and that Christ would increase in my life. And so, you know, as we look at this weakness that Paul had in the things of God, right? Our weakness can become our point of greater strength. Paul says, look, when I'm weak, that's when I'm the strongest. That's when things are the best. And so if you're here today and you say, man, I got weakness, I'm struggling, I got this happening, and it's for Christ. You know, we want to pray like Paul did. Um, we want to wait on the Lord like Paul did until we get an answer from the Lord like Paul did. Because sometimes God does want to intervene. You know, they pray for Peter and God opened up the prison and let him out. Um, Paul said, Lord, take this thorn away. And God said, no, I'm doing something great until you're keeping the thorn. But it's worth asking, Lord, why is this happening? And at least I can get an answer from the Lord and, and walk with that. Is you realize that, you know, as I'm just trying to do the right thing, walk with the Lord, I'm, I'm going through it. Then can you be encouraged that rather than look for God to take it away and letting that continue to be your focus? Why don't you look at what God's doing through it? Look at the man or woman God's trying to build you into through it, because sometimes I can put all my energy into trying to I want this to stop. I want it to go away. I want it to God's like, I'm not that's not that's not what I'm into right now. I'm, 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 I'm making you a man of prayer. I'm making you a man of the word. I'm, I'm, this brokenness is making you into a different person. I want I'm going to close with this. When, when my, I had a daughter when I was a teenager and when I first got saved, you know, broke up with her mom and she moved with her mom and all this stuff took place. And I'm, I'm a new dad. I'm, a, I'm 19 years old. I'm young. Love my little girl. All this stuff is happening in my life. And there was a brokenness at one point. Actually, it was, it was the night I got baptized. Her mom had given her to me and just said, you keep her then. And I was like, great. And I kept my daughter, had her. She was little. I forgot how many months old or maybe a year or so. I had the night at my church where I got baptized. And the night I got baptized, uh, went out to celebrate. And her mom, who hadn't been around for a month or more, came when I was gone and picked her up from my dad's house and took her. And I didn't know where she went. Found out later that she had moved from Watts to Lancaster. But at that moment, I didn't know where they had gone. And there was a brokenness. I'm like, man, my baby's gone. I don't know where she's at. I can't get a hold of her. And it was it was a season of several months of absolutely. I, I'm not a big crier, but I cried. There was brokenness. There was grief. There was hurt. I look back to those several months and I, I kid you not. I always look back to those months in my life. And I, those are the months in my life where God said, you have been content to be a Christian up until then. And it was in those the space of those months where I, I was so desperate for God to speak, that I was in the word constantly. I was so desperate for his comfort that I was in prayer more. And I, when those months got done, I feel like the Lord made me a minister in those six, seven months without my daughter. Now, I had never hurt like that. I never had that kind of a, that something toyed with that meant that much to me. But in that space, those months, when it was over with, I looked at my life and I'm like, man, I feel like I was on this accelerated program with the Lord. And I've never been, I mean, I was saved, but God took me into a whole nother place. And he used that trial. He used that difficulty. And as bad as it was then, as much as I wanted God to fix it right away, God was like, I'm doing something greater. And I can look back at the time I didn't know. 
But I can look back on that time and say, yeah, God, what you did was greater. That those, those six, seven months changed my life again. And so maybe you're going through it. As you're going through it, God's changing your life. You might appreciate the changes later on better than you'd appreciate a quick fix. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 2 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on teachings. Otherwise, you can download our mobile app to listen to more messages. Search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 2 Corinthians, has it caused you to think about whether you honor your leaders? It's clear in this book that Paul felt disrespected as a leader, and there were some who did not make it a joy for him to serve in leading them. God calls us to honor and respect the leaders God has put in place. Supporting those that God has positioned over you to shepherd you can bring about a great sense of godly unity. In fact, think about sending an encouraging note or message to those who are in a leading or shepherding position in your life. If you've noticed that this ministry has been a blessing to you, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your support of a transforming word.